Today's Desert Ranch podcast is brought to you by Roar Zufari, located in Vienna, Virginia. Known as Fairfax County's largest petting zoo, Roar Zufari's goal is to connect families and animals and create awareness, understanding of wildlife, and the environment in which it lives. The 30-acre family-owned zoo is located at 1228 Hunter Mill Road in Vienna, Virginia. Visitors are offered a Zufari tour, walking tour, camel rides, and the zoo features a large walk-in parakeet aviary, magical butterfly gardens, and numerous memorable opportunities to get close to animals of all sizes. On the web at www.roarsufari.com, also on Instagram and Facebook. The Desert Ranch Podcast is brought to you from Indian Springs Working Ranch, located in the beautiful Pelencio Wilderness Mountains of Eastern Arizona. Indian Springs Working Ranch provides guests with an authentic working ranch experience. Guests will herd cattle on horseback, repair fences, and live as real ranch hands do. Check it out at www.indianspringsworkingranch.com. Also brought to you by Our Lazy J Wildlife Ranch, an education and conservation breeding ranch in Eager, Arizona. Get up close and personal with more than 56 species from around the world. Encounter sloth and lemur, cheetah and clouded leopard, as well as many types of hooved, feathered, and scaled wildlife. On the web at ourlazyjranch.com. Welcome to the Desert Ranch Podcast with Vanessa Rohr. Vanessa and her guests will give you some insight into the lives of those who are keeping us from being naked, hungry, and thirsty. Now, here is your host, Vanessa Rohr. Welcome back to another episode of the Desert Ranch Podcast, where we try not only to be enriching, but informative. The question of today's podcast is, what do five-ton prehistoric ground sloths and Christian missionaries have in common? The answer is why two of California's food crops, of course. You see, prior to disappearing from North America about 11,000 years ago, the giant ground sloth were about 100 different species, and they walked around North and South America eating entire avocados, which were more seed than fruit, and uh, pooping them out all over. Along with the giant woolly mammoth, these large ground sloths were one of the few ancient herbivores that were large enough to swallow the avocados whole, thus serving as an important seed disperser for these delicious fruits that we know and love today. In fact, many plants, especially in tropical ecosystems, have evolved to rely upon animals to spread their seeds. Only extra large herbivores, such as the giant ground sloths, had the ability to swallow the avocado seeds whole, meaning that they could carry them around in their digestive tracts and eventually defecate them far away from the parent tree. Now, if you're wondering just how big these giant ground sloths were, if you can imagine, Megatherium americanum towered three and a half meters tall, roughly 12 feet, and weighed up to four tons. There was also the considerably smaller 200-pound Cuban Megaloncus. Now, as I mentioned, the North American giant sloths disappeared about 11,000 years ago, and their South American cousins followed suit around 10,200 years ago. 
I actually got to see one of the North American giant sloth skeletons fully intact in a place called the Grand Cavern, Grand Canyon Caverns over in Peach Springs, Arizona. Pretty cool. Apparently that fella had fallen into the cave and couldn't get out and stayed there perfectly preserved. Anyway, I digress. But I would like to go on with and end my fun facts about avocado with these beauties. Did you know the Aztec word for avocado, ahuacatl, means testicle? This is most likely because the avocado, growing in pairs, resembled that part of the body. For reasons related to this word's origin, the avocado is also considered an aphrodisiac, according to the book, The Aphrodisiac Encyclopedia. By the time the fruit traveled to Europe, the sun king, Louis XIV, nicknamed avocados La Bonne Poix, the good pair, because he believed it restored his lagging libido. Now, flash forward a couple hundred years, and we are at 1856, when the first tree... What, uh, first avocado was produced by Thomas White of San Gabriel, California. Shortly after that, in 1908, the first commercial avocado orchard was planted. And then finally, in 1926, the Haas variety of avocado was named after a postal employee, Rudolf Haas, who purchased the seedling in 1926 from a California farmer. And that is the rest of the story, except... Now, if you're wondering how oranges got to be grown in California, it all started in 1769, rather, with Spanish missionaries. And there is what is in common with sloth. It was the Spanish missionaries that brought the fruit over from the Mediterranean. Then in 1849, gold rush was abound, and uh, those miners demanded citrus because it was well established that the citrus combated scurvy. By 1870s, Los Angeles became known as the Orange Empire. Today in California, citrus production accounts for 54% of all citrus produced in the United States. Florida follows up with 42%, while Texas and Arizona account for the last 4% of citrus produced in the United States. That 54% breaks down to be 7.78 tons, give or take, um, fact and figure from 2019 to 2020. Now, aren't you glad you've been hanging around and listening to the Desert Ranch podcast? And that is enough of me rambling on about citrus and avocado, two things that I love dearly. And I'm very grateful that there are brave people in this country that are producing. Um, with Without further ado, let's get on with our guest today on the Desert Ranch Podcast. Well, welcome to the Desert Ranch Podcast. Our guest tonight is Paul Staley. And uh, Paul uh, is some per- a person that I had met through some zoo acquaintances. And I had the pleasure of, of getting to uh, visit him in his, um, at his home and and. Uh, meet his family, and I'm I'm truly grateful that 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 our paths crossed. And uh, Paul, can you tell us a little bit about um, where your family resides, and um, the a little bit about the operation that you guys have there? Yes, we live here in Valley Center, which is in San Diego. 
um, we'll call it like North County, Northern Sa- San Diego area. Um, we raise uh, citrus and avocado trees. And then we're also in the drilling business for drilling for water wells. I was going to say when people hear drilling, they often probably first think oil, but where you're at, uh, water is probably even more valuable than oil. If that's possible in today's right. petroleum market. Water, water is precious. It, and um, because of the price of the, let's call it the city water, or municipal water, uh, people are looking for another out or a different source. So they're drilling wells to, you know, find water for their crops, their house, landscape, stuff like that. Right. And, you know, uh, part of what I wanted to do when I started the Desert Ranch podcast was I, I wanted to be able to offer a platform for producers to speak to consumers. And while Jacob and I produce, um, we, we grow beef cattle as our, our primary thing we produce outside of the wildlife ranches. We're consumers also. And I, um, you know, sometimes I think we take that for granted too. And, and, you know, understanding other, um, other producers and, you know, their life situations and, and how things have uh, changed over the years and the challenges that you guys have. And, uh, you know, one thing when I was first coming onto your guys' property, when we, we met a few months ago, it, it's a stunning landscape. It's, it's beautiful hills and I mean, just a, a beautiful area. And I remember as we were coming around the, you know, down the road, kind of around the corner, and I, it looked like a scene from the Lorax where there were just um, stumps of trees and, uh, you know, very clearly things that had not had any type of water before. And my heart just fell. I, I, um, I, I just can't explain the, the emotion that I, I felt because without even talking to you guys about the situation, I, it just struck me that something very, very not very less than ideal has happened here. And um, I mean, clearly we're in the West and I understand how important water is. And, and I, I had a suspicion that water was part of that. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your, your family farm there and the changes that you guys have had to go through in recent years? Yes. Well, then I'll just give you a little background. Um, my dad moved out here from Orange County in probably in the 60s. And they farmed also in Orange County. They farmed, they had oranges and they were um, and chickens. And when he moved out here, uh, price of water was, oh gosh, it was like $30 an acre foot. It, it was it was a cheaper to buy water than to have a well or your own water. Um, it was very cheap. So um, he started farming here and, um, and, and brought his family here. One of, um, so there's boys and three girls in my family. And 
he, um, uh, we started off with probably approximately, you know, like, uh, 400 acres. And then it just kept growing from there. But the, the problem is the price of water kept going up and up. And so my dad and my uncle, my uncle Art, my dad is Nick Staley and his brother Art, my uncle Art, they were partners in our ranch here. And with the price of water going up so high, they started looking for an alternate source. So we, they started drilling water wells, but they'd hire guys to come out and drill. And we weren't just finding enough water. It was just costing too much money. Um, we, we, it's just, we're not in that good of an area for water. So they, um, <laughs> my uncle Art and my dad, they uh, bought uh, drilling uh, their own rig out of Texas. And then we, we hired different, you know, we probably went through maybe three or four different drillers, but it, it was good because everyone has something new to bring to the table and you try and, you know, leave their bad habits behind and then grab their good habits. But um, so we started uh, looking for water that way. And then um, from there, after one went, and started drilling on our own uh, for the public. And it just grew and grew. And now we have probably, I think we have around, we have five rigs running out there right now. And uh, drill for the public. And then um, we still try sometimes to drill on the ranch whenever we get a, if we ever get a slow time. But, um, but water, the, the price of water just keeps going up and up and people can't afford the water cents to, they got to shut down. They're shutting down a lot of groves because avocados need a lot of water and they need good quality water. So it, it's hard to find both. You, you have to find a lot of water number good quality if you're, when you're drilling and for avocados and it's, and it's hard to find sometimes. Um, so a lot of guys there, that's where you see all those groves going down because they just can't, um, can't afford the water. It, it just doesn't make sense right. to put and that city water on these avocado right. groves. Okay. So that, that was going to be my next question. So the, the water, before you guys were drilling your own wells, the water that you were using for your trees was coming from the local municipality or was it coming from a reservoir? No, it's, it was, Probably come river, and so we were getting our water from you know uh, the uh, the municipal water company. So like it was Valley Center Municipal Water Company, and uh, they Colorado River most of the time. Sometimes it comes from Northern California, but the majority of the time it comes from the Colorado River, and. And it, the price just keeps going up and up. It doesn't. It doesn't uh, go down. And, and how, a lot of a lot of farmers are hurting. Yeah. How do you have an idea? How does what you pay for water per gallon? How does that compare to what the average homeowner in California is paying for water? Um, I average homeowner pays for water. Um, 
I know depends upon the pumping, you know, your pumping charges. If you're in different areas, you, you, uh, uh, for instance, um, now I bet it's around anywhere from, um, maybe $1,350 an acre foot to 100 an acre foot. Um, we're in a higher pumping area. So ours is 1500 or more an acre foot. Uh, so an acre, an acre foot, I think what is it around, um, 330,000 gallons foot of water. Wow. And, and so think about where that's where, you know, your family started at, what was it? Did you say at the beginning, $30 an acre foot? Yeah, it was really, wasn't bad at all. And then like up north, some people in it for that uh, up in Northern California or in the Central Valley, they're, they might still be getting it at that rate. But um, uh, down here, it, it, uh, and it's going up up there also, I think. But um, down here, we're in a, we're in a tough spot uh, for, for water down here. Right. I can't imagine. For farming. And then tell me a little bit about like to get to whether it's an avocado tree or a citrus tree, how long does it take? I mean, that's a pretty big time investment. So it's not just like one year's worth of water. You have to invest in the water for several years to grow that tree up to where it's producing and getting a, trying to get a return on your investment. How long does it take once you plant an avocado tree or a citrus tree to get, uh, you know, to a production? Let's, let's go like with going with an avocado tree. You know, you'll probably start getting a little bit of fruit after, you know, three years. And then five years, you start, it'll start paying for itself there from five years on. So, so this isn't like um, citrus farming or avocado farming isn't like a get rich quick scheme. <laughs> you, you've got. No, a lot no, you gotta, yeah, you, you gotta be willing to it for the long haul. Right. And so. What do you think, do you have a sense, uh, Paul, like after five years of, of just water alone, what you have in that tree for cost? Well, yes. So let's say avocados need about four acre feet um, per year, but that's a full grown avocado tree. So let's say after five years, you know, you're looking at four acre feet a year. So, um, and, and usually if they're not, in, you know, planted with high density in a high density planting, mm-hmm. you're probably looking at about a hundred trees per acre, which is times, that'd be four times uh, $1,500 would be your, uh, is that, is that seven, four times? I got 6,000. Um, 6,000. Yeah. So you're looking at $6,000 a year per acre for just for water. Wow. But then you got labor, you got fertilizer, and, and you know, you got property taxes, you got a lot of other stuff on there too. Stuff that goes in there, right, right. And it, yeah, and it's just, it just doesn't make sense anymore when it's so high. You gotta, it, the, you, you're gonna have to start getting four to five dollars a piece for your avocados to afford the water bill, and you're not, it, it'll never go that high. I don't think people pay that much for an avocado. Right. I mean, I like guacamole, but. And citrus, is it pretty similar? Citrus, like instead of four, um, 
let's call it four acre feet of water a year. They might only need for three acre feet of water. Citrus will take a little less water and they can handle a little, like the quality doesn't have to be as good. Citrus can handle a little um, a worse quality of water. But they're, gosh, the better quality, everything just grows so much better. So do you think, you know, the, the, the areas that were, you know, kind of gone fallow um, on your ranch, do you think you, you'll put that back into rotation or does it um, purely depend on no, un- the situation? Unless we had water, yeah, unless we had water, no, we, we can't uh, find more water. Um, and we're just not in the best area for water. So we're going to have to figure out something else to do with that that land right do you feel like the you know how 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 is um with your farm having to cut back in production in this citrus and avocado i'm sure there's several other farms or many other farms in california having to do the same and you know you guys are hiring people you know that has a direct impact in the local economy are you starting to see that in your area um with the local uh, impacts to the local economy with cutting back in this type of production? Let's see what, what do you mean? Yeah. So there, you know, all the other um, types of jobs and businesses that support citrus and avocado farming or farming in general, as water gets higher and, and farms start to cut back on their production, do you see that in town, so to speak, you know, with, with the other businesses that rely on, um, you know, servicing farms or, um, you know, whether it's. it's yeah, a, a little bit. You, you do. Yeah. With, you, you do. You see it a little bit. Uh, like people aren't, um, but like the local, let's call it hardware stores or, or the local um fertilizers places there where they sell fertilizer and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're starting to go more now toward like they're, they're, they're starting to market more because the, the farming is, is leaving here a little bit. So they're farming more or, or starting to go out and looking more for the, uh, the homeowners that need more for landscape stuff and everything or for their little home garden and stuff. Okay, so, well, that's, I guess that's good that they're adapting as best they can then with that change. Um, The other thing I was going to ask you about, and I didn't realize this, with citrus, I was in Florida in November and uh, grabbing an orange juice at a gas station, and the gas station attendant said, hey, uh, just so you know, that's not from Florida, that's Brazil and Mexico. And I said, Oh, well, where's the juice from Florida and, and <laughs> or from the United States? And he said, Well, there really isn't. I think, I think it's um oh uh Florida's natural is still uh Florida owned, but most of the other orange juice that we have in the States is from Brazil or Mexico and sometimes I guess even China. Uh the, the citrus that you grow is, is that blended with other orange juice or, um, you know, where, where do, where does the, the citrus you grow end oh, up? Okay. So the, the citrus, we were organic. So uh, most of the stuff that we 
grow juice. We're, we're not, we're not uh, raising citrus for juice for stores or for, you know, for the put there. Um, we're hoping, you know, if you, if you, you don't get as much, if you're, if you've got to juice them, you get more money. Uh, if they're selling them, you know, in the stores there. Oh, sure. Do you have, I, I imagine it, there's like a buyer, you know, you, you sell to someone that's going to buy it and then they're going to distribute to different stores. Or can, can you tell me where I can get one of your oranges? I, I don't know. We sell to a eco farms. It, it's um, a packing house. And I, I'm sure I don't know. They're they they sell all over the place, like to Vons, to gosh, all, all kinds of stores out there. That they're selling to um, some some I know a lot used to go to China sometimes at, at one time. Um, that's anymore, but uh, uh, I, I'm not up on that as much as my dad, dad, Nick, or Rich on that one. Sure. Well, I guess at the end of the day, that tells me if I want American grown juice, I just need to buy the American oranges and make the juice myself. And then I don't have to worry about drinking juice. That's right. And I know the avocados, a lot of avocados are coming from Mexico. And um, so there are, there are, um, that is that, I guess that would hurt our prices a little bit there, but um, gosh, I, I still, I, I've, uh, I haven't tried too many of the avocados from Mexico, but it, it, the, 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 I, the California avocado, it's just so, it's not having to be shipped so far. And, and, uh, you know, I bet they got to cool them down and everything like that, put them in a cooler. And I don't know if it does this, but, uh, the, there is a difference in the end there. Right, and your avocados uh, are they with? Are they the Haas avocado? We have, we have Matas, and then we also raise some Reed. Okay. It's like a, it's it's more of a smooth skin avocado, and it's by about the size of a little over a, you know bigger than a softball. It's it's a big avocado. Yeah. There, it's a it's a good taste. There, that's a good one there. Um, so the, that's the majority we grow is the hash and the reed. And then are the, are the avocados that you grow organic as well? Or the, we, the avocados are also organic. Okay. Fantastic. So what do you, what do you see? How do you see your operation changing or evolving? Do you guys, are you, you know, with the organic market and, and drilling your own, uh, you know, having your own drill rigs? Is that going to be enough to, um, you know, keep this? It's a, now it's in its third generation of of Staley's that are operating it. <laughs> well, what we've what we've done is we've we've looked, um, you know, and bought property where there is more water. Let's say so we've we've extended out into other properties that have water. So we'd look for places, you know, areas that have water. And we, and so we're growing avocados with, with, that have water and good quality water. Um, not a lot, but, we, you know, we do have acreage out there like that. So we're moving out um, beyond here and looking for, you know, land with water and, and a good quality water. 
to grow avocados on. Excellent. Well, that that's that's good to hear that. And um, the the other thing I was going to ask is, you know, do do you feel like you have a lot of uh, of support from um, local, state, uh, you know, federal programs to help deal with this water crisis, um, the water inflation? Not really. I don't feel that way. No. Um, I I think you know what's interesting. I and, and maybe, but I, I think the um, I, I think the farmers come and they bring the and then after that in comes all the cities and then they push the farmer out and that's how it seems to go and then. Um, you know, the it, they're forgotten there a little bit. The farmer is right. I mean, you mentioned um, you know property taxes, and that I can only imagine in California what that might look like. Have you, as far as I know, it's been high for a long, long time. But in recent years, have you seen that um, increasing significantly? Um, it keeps increasing, but thank God for uh, Proposition Thirteen. So they can't they can't go too too high yet. But if that ever goes, they were we're done. It keeps our taxes property um, our property taxes down. Okay, is it uh, is it specific to farming or is it just um, you know for people that own no, land in no, general? No, not not specific to farming. Just who has land in general. Oh, great, excellent. It would hurt the farmer the worst, though. That uh, it would hurt everyone who has kind of acreage or anything if uh, if they were to do away with that. Um, yeah, that, it would be a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. I also love the care and attention that you give your hobby, and and you do an amazing job with your birds. And we feel very lucky too to have a couple of those uh, species here at the R Lazy J Wildlife Ranch. And um, the the I just checked on the uh, Victorian Crown pigeons, and they're doing beautifully here. As are the uh, the pheasants that we got from you. And um, do you have any plans to expand your hobby there? We might, we're looking at everything. We might have to, you know, you, you got to be diversified. So we used to be in the, um, we used to be in the exotic animals like, like you. Um, we had, you know, the camels and the water buffalo, the zebra. But what we were big into is when they had all that with the ostriches. Yeah. So my uncle Art, he, he got into that early. And thank God, because that really, uh, that kept us going there for when we were um, back when we had that recession and or out here, I know in, in what was that? 87, nine. Um, it, it was a, it was a tough times for everyone, but uh, it was crazy. Those ostriches kept arm going. And, and we had the, all the rat types, the ostrich, the Ria and the cassowary. Um, but uh, that that kept us going there for a little bit. I didn't realize you had cassowary too. That's exciting. Yes, did yes. You, did you have any yeah. any close calls with the cassowary? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you get 
then in cassowaries, you got to really be careful because um, it's almost like you need two guys in there. We had shields going in there uh-huh. because the, the male and the female, they'll, they'll come at you from two different sides. It's not just, you know, in ostriches, it was just a male that would bug you the most. But, sure. boy, them cassowaries, they, you got one-on-one coming from you the other end. Uh, um, you had to, it, it better sometimes to take a couple guys in when you went to collect eggs or something. Right. Did you um, hand incubate those or did you let the parents sit on them? We, we incubated those. Okay. My, my cousin Art did it first and then my cousin Art took over and he did a heck of a job incubating those. That's great. I've, I've have, I have friends that raised them successfully as well. And I've had the privilege of watching them, um, you know, distract Lock, you know, lock, try to lock out or distract the parents and, and sneak in there and grab the eggs. And it, it's, it can be quite yeah. a precarious situation. Got to try. Right. Right. You gotta, you gotta be, you gotta be careful. Yeah. Is this, it's, is this something, um, you know, the, the citrus and the avocado uh, farming, is this something that you are encouraging your kids to continue to do, or you would encourage um, you know, other young uh, farmers to get into? Oh, great. Um, gosh, it, it's, a, it's, it's a great life. It's a great way of life. Uh, it, it's just, it just gets tougher and tougher because of the, you know, what we're dealing with now with, with labor, taxes, water, the, the main reason, you know, the main thing to do it. But um, not to, gosh, I, I, I'd love to have our family. I, I hope they keep keep going with it. We we got to keep it going. What do you think the biggest challenge if there was someone that wanted to get into this um, type of agriculture without having an operation that's already part of their family? If they were going to start from scratch. What would be the the biggest challenges to doing that? Number one is water. That'd be the biggest, and then then labor. And then too, you got to find the right, the right climate, the right land also. Mm-hmm. But the number one thing is water. And you know, that's water's, water's like, like they said, it's liquid gold. You can't live without water. Right. And it's getting more and more precious all over it is. So water is, is precious. Paul, do you think uh, there's... People take it for granted. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, just turning on the tap. Uh, do you think there's anything that mm-hmm. people in communities outside of your area, um, you know, it, people in bigger towns and uh, you know, throughout California, is there anything that they can be doing that would help help you as a farmer in terms of water? No, no. No, maybe voting right, but no. Right. No, there's really nothing like, um, I you know, I know everyone's already conserving. They keep, they keep, you know, because they tub so high, you can't just let water go anywhere. You got it. There are concerns. It's just that, um, it's just there. There's things that can be done, um, but I think because of all the bureaucratic crap everything you gotta go through it, it doesn't get done so um, I, I read all our, our modern technology out there 
Sure. And I read an article years ago about the Israelis and how they were using desalinization for some of their agriculture crops. And I don't know that necessarily, you know, it sounds like avocados wouldn't be a good um, product to try to grow in desalinized water. But is anyone in California talking about, um, you know, that maybe watering lawns or golf courses or swimming pools with using... um, Water from the ocean. So they're they're yeah they're they're doing it. They're oh. doing it here, but it doesn't come all the way out here. I think it's more, in, if I'm not mistaken, more in Carlsbad, out in that area there. But they're using RO water. Um, but uh, even some of the are cleaning up their and and they're trying that. But you know, with reverse osmosis, okay. it's just um, it's just costly do that also it costs a lot of money i can only imagine when you're dealing with the sheer number of of cropland acres and uh, the population and that's a lot to balance is there anything that um, you know in terms of you being a a citrus uh, avocado rancher uh, that you want to share with with um, consumers and, and anything that you'd like us to know about um, the product that you grow and and the industry there. Yeah, you know it, it would, but sometimes you don't have a choice. It would help to buy from your local your local growers or from the United States, let's say. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, how do you know where? Even if it says it's from the like you said, it's coming from Florida, and still they, it's not. So I I don't know. But if you can. Keep supporting your your state or your local growers there. That that all helps. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank you so much, Paul, for visiting with us today on the Desert Ranch podcast. I really, I know your time is super valuable, and um, and and your free time is <laughs> super limited as well. So I, I can't thank you enough for for taking the time to chat with us and. Um, you know, helping us understand, helping us consumers understand what it is to grow and raise avocados and citrus. And um, we just, we'll, we'll keep buying local and, you know, checking labels and we want you to know, we we want you to know how grateful we are for the hard work that you and your family have done. No, thank you. Thank you, Vanessa. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough out there. It's just getting tougher and tougher, but uh, we got to keep, my dad says you just got to keep moving. <laughs> you keep moving. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Have a great night, Paul. Take care, Vanessa. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Desert Ranch Podcast. We hope we gave you a good look into the lives of those that care for land and livestock far past the nine to five lifestyle. Until we talk again, have a fantastic week. 